You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I am your host, Dan Johnson. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, this is an exciting episode because I am a rookie and what I mean by that is I am at the very very beginning I haven't even shot one arrow out of a saddle yet all right and so this episode I'm going to be talking with Parker McDonald he is the host of the Southern Ground podcast here on the Sportsman's Empire Network and he's going to talk to us about his experience basically moving away from tree stands and getting into saddle he is a saddle, like a full-blown expert-level saddle hunter, and he's going to talk to me a little bit about what I can expect, the learning curve, um, how his first couple hunts were using a saddle. So this is like a, a saddle hunting 101 podcast between two guys that one is good at it and one hasn't doesn't know anything about it. And so this is a real good episode. I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited to get in and start messing around with this thing. Um, I know in the past, I kind of talk shit, honestly, on on the, the whole saddle thing, but I, I could see the benefits of using one, uh, most importantly, like the weight reduction, the profile reduction, and so um, I have some things to learn before. I'm, I guess I'm that kind of guy who really wants to try everything out before he officially, you know, gives a statement on it. And so we talk about the pros and cons. We talk about some of my um, concerns about, you know, offhand shots and things like that. And so I guess they would say call that a weak side shot. Parker references that as a weak side shot. So that's what we're going to talk about today in today's episode. 
Uh, and I think the best thing to do is kind of just get right into it. Um, I will say this, that I will be using a tethered saddle this year, and we've, we've kind of gotten into a partnership with them. And so they sent me a saddle. I'm going to use a tethered saddle, and there's a ton of other saddles out there, but uh, I, I know the guys at Tethered real well. Parker, uh, Mark, Andy, and Garrett, those are four guys that I know who I trust their opinions, and when they're telling me, hey, man, you need to give it a try, I think I'm going to go give it a try. So we'll see how this year turns out. But if you're looking for a saddle, if you want to get into the game, uh, I think there's no better place to look right now than Tethered. And not just from their popular brand standpoint. They make a good product, and I'm looking at some of their products right now. Very well put together. Um, very well packaged. You know, like I said, I haven't really gotten into using it a lot. But with that said, I think they, they're a company that also provides a ton of information on how to properly use a saddle, the safe way to do it, the most efficient way to do it, and how to become better and more proficient using that, uh, that tool, saddle as a tool, to go out and kill deer with it. So, uh, you know, if you're going to just go to Tethered, Tethered's website, look at their product line, and also look at the, uh, all the information surrounding saddle hunting. And uh, I think that's going to be uh, your best bet. Now, this is kind of cool how these all kind of lay, uh, lay out. So we have the tethered saddle, and then we also have hunt stand. So if you're a mobile guy, these two products kind of go hand in hand with each other. So you're running your saddle, and then you're on hunt stand. And hunt stand is probably, I shouldn't say probably, it is, number one, it's the most affordable hunting app on the market. It allows you to see some of the most updated satellite imagery, the terrain features, the topo lines, the property owners, the property lines, right? So what this allows you to do is gather information and kind of journal everything you do out in the woods. And by journaling it and using hunt stand to reference not only trail camera pictures and waypoints you put on a map there's there's so much functionality behind this app this journaling is just data right and more data and more data and more data and the more data that you have the more benefit it will provide you in any hunt right like wind direction weather everything so if you want to find out more information about hunt stand uh, go to huntstand.com and there's a discount code sn20 saves you 20 percent off uh, next is, and I'm going to get these guys on the podcast, but the Annihilator Broadhead guys, um, they they have a really good lineup of broadheads uh, that, that you guys can use. Go check them out at uh, Annihilator Broadheads. And uh, lastly, like I said, I'll get more information about Annihilator. They're, those guys are going to come on to the podcast here probably next month or the month after talk about their product line. And then lastly, we have the Average Conservationist. Now, I know Marcus. He's the owner. He's also the host of the Average Conservationist podcast here on the Sportsman's Empire. What I love about Marcus is he's the kind of guy that not only talks the talk, but walks the walk when it comes to conservation. So much so that when he decided to start the Average Conservationist brand, he said, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to take 10% off the top and I'm going to give it to some form of a conservation effort. 
So that tells me right now that he's serious about what he does. And I love brands that talk the talk and walk the walk. They have an awesome lineup of uh, logo t-shirts, hats. Uh, I would strongly suggest going to theaverageconservationist.com, taking a look at all of their product line. And when you purchase, just know that in an indirect way, you are helping some form of conservation effort, right? So you look good and you feel good. And that's a win-win, man. So uh, that's what, that's the commercials. Please go support the companies that support this podcast. And lastly, we have, uh, that's it. Go make make sure you're following the Nine Finger Chronicles on social media. Uh, Sportsmen's underscore empire on social. And uh, we can all become best friends. And let's get into today's episode. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, my Sportsman's Empire brother, Parker McDonald from the Southern Ground Podcast. What's up, man? Oh, dude, just uh, finally a week after turkey season. Like, man, turkeys just, they wear me out. And so it's all done now, and I have, I don't know what to do with myself. Dude, you went, <laughs> right you went like, hard. Sleeping until 8, and like... I went hard this year, dude. Yeah, you went My hard. first year being uh, self-employed, and so I can I can kind of go when I want. Yeah, sort of, as long as it lines up with with the wife and everything. You know, she's uh, I, I say I don't have a boss anymore, but I I still do. <laughs> um, she's just a lot prettier than my other bosses right. that I've had in the past. Right, and you sleep in the same uh, bed with but her. But yeah, yeah, I got to go a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I will say this, listening to you talk uh, about your wife, um, I think that you have the wife that all guys want when it comes to hunting. Like she's pretty, she, I think she understands that the hunting is your passion and, and uh, I think she lets you get away with a lot. She does. And she's, you are correct she is the best um but i think all (laughs) which last time me and you did a podcast together free podcast we got off on a tangent about marriage um i think uh there are there's there's like thresholds you know that that you gotta you gotta respect them and once she sets them you've gotta you've gotta you just gotta respect them And and i've told her like for me, hunting is, it's kind of a side hustle at this point, you know, because I do the content creation and stuff. And so it's, uh, it, it does bring in a little bit of money for us. And once she started seeing that, it, it kind of became a little bit, a little bit easier to justify right. some of the trips and stuff that I do. But right. yeah, she's, she is amazing. And I am continually learning what that threshold means. I, yeah. I don't want people to think that it's just, all sunshine and unicorns over here. Like we have conversations. It does happen. Right. Right. Well, um, this is the hunting gear podcast. So I want to talk a little bit today. The main theme is going to be like getting into saddle hunting. Um, because I'm at the very beginning of it right now. Uh, I got pressured by, Oh, you're going to, you're going to make the jump. I'm, I'm going to make the jump and I don't oh. think I'm going to make it full like a hundred percent but guys like you guys like garrett um of the diy sportsman uh taylor 
from Urban Bowhunter, uh, Mark, even Mark Kenyon, and, and some of the other guys associated with Tethered. They're just like, you guys are crazy. And what I mean by that is like the amount of pressure I've I have felt from the saddle hunting community to get into a saddle was more than the pressure of drinking alcohol in high school. You know, it's like, hey, come on, man, have a drink, bud. You know, let's go to a party. <laughs> so it's like on that same level of pressure. That's funny. We're kind of like drug addicts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so um, I used to talk, I used to like, make fun of saddle hunters you know like there's that meme where um there's all those all these people standing around a coffin and uh i think i think you may have been the one who posted it and and the preacher goes is there any last words and one guy goes i'm a saddle hunter (laughs) so uh dude i i got a kick out of that but now i'm i'm in the very beginning stages of getting into saddle hunting right and so i i've been in one maybe two times now i haven't even shot an arrow out of my bow in a saddle yet so in the next uh, couple weeks and months i'll be refining that skill and trying to figure out uh you know figure out the the best possible setup for me using a saddle and and using that in combination with the other tools that I have, which are my, my tree stands. So, um, the conversation I want to have today, and I think I'll just, uh, started off by asking you this before you moved into a saddle, what kind of hunter were you? So I had always owned a climber, uh, when I, uh, well, when I moved from, uh, I was raised in Texas, and so in Texas, the, the hunting scenario is just so much different. Uh, you hunt from blinds, pretty much always. Blinds with a feeder out 75 yards in front of you. That was pretty much the way that you hunt in West Texas. There's not there's not this uh, this idea of, uh, you hunt over corn, well, you're not a real hunter. Or you hunt over deer blind, you're not a real hunter. That doesn't exist in West Texas because the only way that people hunt is from a deer blind with a with a feeder 75 yards out in front right so that was how i was raised hunting when i'm when i moved to the deep south i moved to alabama uh i bought a climber and that was how i hunted hunted out of a out of a i've had a summit viper i had a hawk warbird the hawk warbird is the last one no well no that's not true i had the hawk warbird then i had a uh, a lone wolf uh sit and climb okay and uh, the sit and climb was without a doubt the least comfortable, but also without a doubt the the light, the most lightweight yeah. and the easiest to carry, and probably the most comparable to uh, to the weight of a saddle. So that was kind of like my um, dive into lightweight mobile hunting uh, methods. I guess was that lone wolf sit and climb. Yeah. Uh, but I probably used that hawk warbird. Uh, more than any of them. I killed a lot of deer out of that hawk, yeah. uh, that hawk climber. And that was when I first started hunting on public land. And at the time, that was a pretty lightweight, you know, for the money. It was pretty lightweight. And, uh, dude, and that, it was also when I started using a kayak. And the reason why I got that one was because it folded down to such a uh, flat profile compared to the summits. Um it, it folded down really flat. And so I liked, 
I like that, but ultimately, dude, like it was just, it was just a pain in the butt to to try to carry that lug that thing around. And I ended up making a lot of decisions on, well, I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go a half a mile rather than going in as far as I'm, I wanted to go originally. I'm just gonna go in, you know, just a a little bit less. And yeah. I made a lot of decisions that way based on. And I'm just freaking tired. I don't want to lug this thing up another hill. Yeah. So it became more about just the weight of it. And and that's part of the reason it led you to a saddle. Did you ever do any like sticks and hang ons? Uh like a, let's say like the the lone wolf uh the lone wolf alphas or assaults. So I bought a um I bought a XOP I don't even remember what kind it was. I bought the XOP and I had some Hawk helium sticks yeah. that I was going to use. Uh, this was right before I bought the Lone Wolf sit and climb. And I bought this XOP hang on stand, went and tried it on. So I was like, nah, hate it. Yeah. Don't like this at all. And so I ended up selling it and getting that Lone Wolf. So I, I did give it a shot. I just didn't like it. I, yeah. I didn't like the, it was just a little much for me. Um, and and you got to understand for me I'm I'm in in the southeast and a lot of people love hang on stands in the southeast so call me a wimp if you want to but it that early season it's freaking hot and yeah. and my hunting my hunting style didn't it wasn't necessarily different from what it is right now I was hunting different trees I was hunting different areas going to a new spot every day um, like I was mobile hunting and and not like setting anything and so you know that was even while i was using a climber that's how i that's just how i hunted and the i the thought of trying to hang up that that big giant uh hang on stand i know it's not giant it's fairly small but comparably to a saddle comparable to a saddle it's it's pretty big and i i just i was like man i can't there's no way i'm doing this quietly yeah or easily. I'm still going to be making decisions based on how far a spot is because I don't want to carry this thing around. And I'm also filming. And so uh, I, I have to have a way to carry all my filming equipment. And if I got this tree stand on my back, this was before there was, you know, the Lone Wolf custom gear, uh, uh, pocket arm, and all the, the lightweight camera stuff there are now. Uh, but I was carrying a big giant fourth arrow arm with a big base and a bigger camera and batteries like you needed a backpack you really did need a some type of pack to carry all this stuff in yeah and if you're carrying a tree stand on your back it's hard to to get a, a backpack on it yeah yeah so when when did you start doing research then on saddle hunting and was it when tethered originally came out or was it before that Oh, it's funny. Um, you had a lot to do with it, uh, and you probably don't even know this. So <laughs> I went on your podcast as a guest. I went on Nine Finger Chronicles as a guest the very first time. Yep. Um, talking about kayak hunting on public land, and uh, I get a, a message the day that that episode drops. I get a message from a guy named Greg Godfrey, who, who, as many people know, is the owner and one of the founders of Tethered. Now, um, this was before Tethered had started i get this message it was like hey dude just listen to your podcast you need to be hunting out of a saddle 
And I was like, man, I don't know. I'd heard of saddle hunting, you know, at one point. My story is probably similar to a lot of people's where they'd heard of it, thought, nah, probably not for them. Um, But he sent me a bunch of videos about, and and a bunch, at the time he was doing his G2 Outdoors uh, YouTube channel. So he sent me a bunch of stuff. And my parents were actually in town uh, visiting that day. And I was sitting at the couch just watching all these saddle hunting videos. And I remember looking at my dad and being like, I'm buying a saddle tomorrow. And uh, and I did. I, I, I ended up purchasing a, uh, I don't even remember what it was. At the time, it was a, it was something by, I, I want to see, you know what? I think it was an old, one of the old original trophy lines. Okay. And a guy was selling, and it was a big bulky thing, you know, compared to the saddles these days. Um uh, I ended up purchasing that. Never even hunted out of it because it wasn't hunting season when I bought it. Um, but I did buy it, and I ended up selling it uh, once tethered. Once tethered came out. Yeah. So. And uh, and so. Go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say um, it wasn't too terribly long after that. Me and me and Greg struck a friendship after that uh chatted a lot um you know we we talked a whole lot and uh it it wasn't terribly long after that that he called me one day and he was like i'm gonna do something crazy and i need your help because i had already started southern ground at this point southern ground had started i had done a podcast with greg about saddle hunting and this was kind of before the huge trend of of saddle hunting but tethered actually came out and it kind of it interested a lot of people. Well, Greg calls me and he's like, "I'm gonna do something crazy. I'm me and some buddies are starting a saddle a saddle company, like like the world has never seen before. We're gonna completely base everything around saddles. And I want your help on the podcast. I want your help. Uh, kind of. I think his exact words were pimping it out. Yeah. Uh, I need you to pimp it out on the on the podcast. And I was like, Yeah, sounds cool. Let's do it. Cool. And uh, and that was kind of where it all started for me with tethered yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about the actual because it sounds to me like you try to hang on the hang on you didn't like that was a short-lived you know sticks and steps and you moved into the saddle as you started moving into a saddle from a climber um, talk to us a little bit about that transition because I feel like there's a lot of people out there especially me who have never hunted out of a saddle I want to hear what that transition was like and things that you wish you knew about setting up in a saddle that you didn't know maybe before or during that, like something to help us flatten that learning curve. All right, Dan, have you ever, uh, have you ever switched to like a a new broadhead, right? You, you make a switch to a new broadhead. The first deer that you shoot dies in sight Yeah, and leaves like a, leaves like a red carpet blood trail. Your initial thoughts are, I'm never switching again. This is the best broadhead ever made. Have you ever had that happen? Kind of, yes. Or something similar. Some, something, uh, you know, similar something similar, yeah. Where the first time, the first time you use something, it works tremendously. Yeah. Um, that was what happened for me with saddles. So, the opening day, uh, my very first time to hunt out of a saddle, opening day here in Alabama, and I, I killed a deer in 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 alabama which was which for a lot of people may not sound like a big deal in alabama it's a it's a pretty 
it's a pretty big accomplishment. You know, not a lot of people yeah. kill a deer on opening day on public land. So uh, I killed a deer the very first day that I hunted out of it. And I was like, well, crap, this works. It's the best thing in the whole wide world. You know, this, I wouldn't have killed this. I went, I went full Roger Raglan and I wouldn't have killed this deer <laughs> if I didn't have a saddle. And, uh, uh, <laughs> it was, it was really cool, man. I mean, I was like, I was like jacked up. And so for me, it was, there were, there were definitely learning curves and, and different things that I had to figure out. But for me, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. Okay. There's not a doubt in my mind. I'm going to keep hunting this way. Because I, I killed a deer my first first day using oh, one. Okay. Um. So what was the uh what was the 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 impact there? All right. So you went there, you killed a deer, you thought it's great, but why? Be more specific of why it was so great. You know, talk about whether that was lightweight or easy to climb and, and what was your method of climbing and, and all that stuff. There were, there were two big reasons on this specific hunt. So it was an evening hunt, uh, on opening day, the first, uh, the, the and I had scouted this area. I'll try to explain it the best. I can but imagine a imagine a ridge that you got a long a long pretty skinny ridge right and right. it makes a 90 degree turn and so it almost looks like an elbow of a ridge and um i had scouted this spot before and there was a thicket on like kind of in the in the pit of the elbow so in like the inside corner of the elbow there's a thicket and there was a bunch of trails coming out with uh with scrapes and rubs and stuff right there in that corner of that 90 degree turn. And there was a ton of oaks, um, a ton of white oaks that were right there off that elbow point. And, uh, I had scouted it before. It was really, it was a lot further back than I would probably go with a climber. And, uh, so there was that part, there was that aspect of it, that it was opening day. And I was like, I'm going to go back there because I can you know, it basically just feel like I'm walking. I'm not carrying a whole lot. So that was one part of it. The other part was that when the deer came, came out, when I, whenever I first saw the deer, it was directly behind me. So at like my six o'clock. And so my first deer that I ever killed out of a saddle was a turn all the way back behind me. And it was easy. You know, it was, I had, I really had, I was expecting the deer to come from in front of me. But they ended up coming from behind me, and I just made that little pivot turn and shot directly behind me. And so uh, I've had opportunities like that in a in a tree stand in a in a climber, and it just doesn't work out that easily. It's not it's just not as fluid for me to do it that way. And um, even in a even in a hang on stand where you've got because I did take practice shots and stuff out of the XOP that I bought, um, you don't have the uh, the security, I guess, the tension of the of the rope to where you can actually lean out. Um, it, you're still trying to keep your legs from falling off of that platform. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because because you're while you have a safety harness on, usually it's not going to be tight enough to lean out. Yeah. And and always feel secure. And so there was that aspect of it. That was the two main things for me that were like that were huge in that hunt that I, I had decided to go deeper, which you can do with a climber. Some, I mean, 
strong-willed people. Um, you know, people are getting deep with climbers. So not that it's only possible with the saddle, but for me, it was, that's what, that made it possible. And then the other thing is just the shot angle. My first year that I shot out of a saddle was a, um, you know, at that point, that was a, a shot that I wouldn't have normally got the opportunity quite as easy. And I was able to make it, able to make it count. Nice. So then, um, what was your climbing method originally? Um, it was, I'm trying to remember back then I was using Hawk helium sticks, <clears throat> the full size. So the three step sticks. And I think I was just using three of them. I wasn't using an aider yet. Uh, so I had three Hawk heliums. I was probably, I don't know, 14 feet off the ground or so. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was on purpose too. There were other climbing methods that were available. You had your uh, wild edge steps. You had uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the little the little strap on pegs that you can put on. Um, there were there were and there were of course there were aiders available that you could kind of DIY. Um, but I didn't want to. I and I tell people this all the time because they want to get in and they want to start off. Right off the bat, using doing the one stick method, or or uh, doing like some kind of SRT or whatever it's called, where they're repelling and doing all that crap. They want to take off all the take on all this stuff their first year, and I think it's dangerous because it it not dangerous in a safety from a safety standpoint, but I don't think it's smart to make the learning curve even bigger than it needs to be. Just simply climb with sticks figure out what you want to do learn your system in the saddle and then and then the next season maybe move to a like change something different and and start refining what your system looks like yeah um i think part of the reason why i stuck with the saddle because there were some frustrating moments because you're dealing with a lot of ropes you're climbing differently uh using the lineman's belt and the tether and you're learning tether height and uh, you know, spacing of sticks and what tree is the right tree. And you're learning how to climb leaning trees and how to get through branches while you're climbing. Like there's a lot of things that are just going to happen regardless, like make that learning curve pretty easy. And then the next year add something different if you want to. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was, I was just simple, just three sticks Yeah. going up as high as I could go on those three sticks and, uh, and then setting your platform. Yeah. All right. So you actually had a really positive uh, first time experience with saddle hunting. All right. Your first time out. Uh, how much practice did you do before that to get comfortable in, in that saddle? Um, not a lot, actually. I did a little bit. I did some practice. Uh, I shot a little bit out of it. Um, but compared to what I probably should have done, I didn't do, I didn't do nearly enough. And, and part of the reason was, um, I didn't have my platform yet. So this was right when tethered first started. Um, and they were just getting stuff out. And if people remember tethered kind of blew up unexpectedly and, uh, and like it was kind of a crap storm whenever they first started because they didn't 
didn't really prepare for what was about to happen. Uh, they were just, I've, I've done podcasts about this with Greg, but they, they, they kind of started it with the idea of maybe one day we can get this business to cover an elk hunt. You know, like yeah. that was, they, they started really small and with kind of a small mindset and then people just, people just flocked to it. They, like it became bigger. And so there was like shipping issues and stuff was on back order and all this stuff. And so I pretty much just been like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to like no rush in sending me anything. I'm going to just hunt from the top step of my stick. So for about the first three weeks, four weeks of the season, I was literally climbing up my sticks and standing on the top step of that stick as a platform. Yeah. And that's just how, I mean, I killed, I think I killed like five deer just like that, you know, without a platform. And, uh, and so I figured, you know, as long as I practice my climbing, practice all that stuff, I'll be all right. And I, I, I did time myself. Before the season started, I ended up timing myself uh, climbing, and I think it was like 11 minutes is what it, is how long it took me to do a climb from from the ground up. Yeah. So I got to where I could climb in 11 minutes, and I was, was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. Let's hunt. Yeah. And so that that initial experience out in the woods kind of solidified everything for you moving, just your style moving into a saddle 100% of your, your elevated hunts. Absolutely. Yeah. I I just, um, for filming, you know, carrying a ton of filming equipment, um, my pack probably isn't much lighter than carrying a hang on or something like that, but I'm carrying so much more stuff. You know, I have the ability to carry, I did a, I did a hunt this year where I, I, I carried a saddle in because I was planning on climbing, ended up not climbing and just sitting on the ground shot a deer, packed it out, and I packed out the deer in my pack with all my saddle stuff, meat, deer, filming, equipment, my bow, everything. I packed it all out in one trip. So, I mean, that that's, for me, that's reason enough to say, hey, I'm, I'm this saddle is, it's, it's the real deal. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk pros and cons, all right? Because I think uh, for anybody who, is thinking about a saddle. Um, I have some cons that I've had to try to talk, you know, to work out in my head and talk with other people about. Um, but I want to hear, uh, your pros and cons list about hunting out of a saddle. And I know you're, you're, you're experienced in saddle hunting. So your con list may be short, but I still think like whether you're new or you're, uh, you're a new hunter or a, a new hunter or an experienced saddle hunter, uh, those need to be discussed because, uh, you know, maybe saddle, like just like the guys at tethered say, you know, saddle hunting may not be for everybody. So, so I'd like to hear your pros and your pro list and then your con list about, about saddle. Mm. Okay. I'm going to tell you my number one con list my, or my number one con item okay. on this list is uh, is less to do with the actual hunting of a saddle, out of a saddle, and more to do with kind of joining the the crew. Like 
there is a lot of really, really good information about saddle hunting out there. If you find the right people, there's some solid information. There's also some really crappy information out there. And so my number one, like the number, when I think of the negatives with saddle hunting, it's the freaking Facebook groups. They suck so bad. Um, I've, I've left, I used to, I used to be a big part of them. And when people ask for information, I'd share, um, there's so much bad information out there about saddle hunting and different climbing methods. And so it's, there, there's a, there's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like an intimidation factor when you first start, because there's so many different ways to do it. There's so many different ways to, to climb. There's now there's just, I mean, there's 25 different, uh, saddle companies producing saddles and, and like people being sponsored by all these different saddle companies. And it's just, it's just, you've been a part of the industry a long time, Dan, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like there's, there's these bandwagon people out there giving crap information that's going to end up getting somebody killed. There's, there's some guy in his basement building platforms out of PVC pipe. And you're like, what? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I guess maybe it works for you, but, and then he's selling it and he doesn't have any type of insurance. Like there's like, this stuff is real. And anybody who's listening to this, that is a saddle hunter knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's just bad information out there. And so that's why I always tell people, get a saddle, get a platform, get some sticks, just learn how to do it and figure out what you want to do differently. Don't get on Facebook or Saddle Hunter Forum and expect to uh, step away from it knowing exactly what you need to do next because you just won't. It's just bad information most of the time. And so that's my number one thing, like the people and the, a lot of the a lot of the cult following of saddle hunting, I guess you could call it. They just, it's like, like I don't, I, I've never seen a, a a guy that uses a summit decide that he doesn't want to be buddies with a guy that uses uh, an old man climber. <laughs> so there's like, like so like there's some not gang... that kind of brand battle. Yeah. So there's like it. Like yes, dude. Gangs. It's... Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sounds yes, to me and it's like the most yeah. frustrating thing for me. Yeah. It sounds to me like what you're trying to get at though, is that just be careful where you're getting your information from. Um, because some of the information out there may kind of steer you down a wrong path. And so make sure that Absolutely. like, is there any place, you know, obviously you could say, Hey, yeah, go to go. Anything that Tether does is great. But is there any place that you would recommend people going and getting their saddle hunting information from? Mm. Um, guys like, uh, Garrett Prawl are, and, and, and people have to understand Garrett is a tethered guy and, he, uh, I'm not sure if he actually works for Tethered. I think he does in some way, but he, uh, he is, Garrett is not biased in the way that he says things. He's not, he's, he's not going to put his name on something that, and this is, and I don't know Garrett well. I know him decent, but I don't know him really well. But what I do know about him is he is incredibly honest and he's going to put stuff to a test. 
And uh, I, I think following guys like that are is valuable when you're learning something like saddle hunting or um, I'm trying to think. Uh, he's very he's very detailed in his approach <laughs> to all of the gear that he uses. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I, uh, the guys from the hunting public, man, I mean, there, you see people, there's people like that, that you just know, like they're, they're a, they're a trustworthy group. And I, I can tell you that cause I know that they're, they're very, uh, they have a lot on the line, right? If, if, if the, the hunting public guys, give false information they have a lot riding on that false information and so um they don't do a whole lot of things that are going to be uh in the realm of shady yeah because they have a lot to lose if 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 somebody gets hurt from something that they recommend they've got a lot to lose and so they're always they're they're walking the line pretty hard yeah most of the time um and i just i find people like that if i'm gonna if I'm going to try to figure out something or learn something new or take on a new style of hunting, I find people like that, that I know I can, that I can trust. And they, uh, they do have a lot to lose if they give, give out bad information. Um, I find people like that, man. And I just, I, I, I follow them closely and I may try some of the things that they do and say, I don't really like that. Uh, but you know, I, I don't feel like they're going to give me false information right um or or lead me in a way that is uh, lead me astray just because they're getting a paycheck from it i just i don't see people like that necessarily there are there are people like that out there but i i don't consider them to be a part of it um and and you know i'm not to i I don't want to uh um necessarily self-promote right here but what i can tell you is the way that i try to operate with southern ground is uh, just because somebody is a sponsor or something like that does not mean that I'm going to um, completely disregard a weakness of what they offer. Yeah. Um, just because they're a sponsor. Like I'm always pretty real in like uh, in any flaws or anything like that. You know, if somebody asks me a question, I'm going to give them an honest answer. So if somebody has a question, you know, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. If it has to do with saddle hunting, if you've got a question about it, let me know. I'm going to you. I will give you an honest answer that is not in any way dictated by money or free gear. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about a con that I, a scenario, it's basically a, the what has prevented me from getting into a saddle earlier and that would be a so i'm right hand so my draw hand is my right hand right and my i hold my bow with my left hand okay so i'm facing the tree i'm in a saddle and all of a sudden a deer comes from my let's just say four or five o'clock okay and so that means i have to there's a lot of movement that has to happen in order to get a uh, a shot to that that direction so that that is a scenario that I find as a con like anywhere else I feel like I could get in position and and shoot so tell me why that 
maybe that shouldn't be a con or walk me through that scenario where that, that three, four, five o'clock, uh, shot placement is, is not as bad as what I'm making it sound or run in my head that way. Yeah. So for me, like I said, I'm filming, so it's already difficult to, uh, to shoot that we, we, I call it the most saddle hunters call it the weak side. It's a weak side shot. It's the, it's the, for most right-handed shooters, it's going to be your right-handed, your, the right side of you. Um, something we know about deer hunting is there's always going to be a wind direction, right? And uh, I always try to set up to where the wind is blowing in that direction, right? Like I don't want, uh, if, if that's the, if that's where the deer are going to be coming from and I know that, then I'm going to set up on the other side. I'm going to try to avoid my wind blowing, um, on all my strong areas shots and strong sided shots and have the the predominant wind of that day going back to that you know two three four five o'clock area um which significantly reduces your chance of a deer coming from that direction um and if one does you're probably not even going to know it if the wind's blowing that way you're probably not even going to know he was there um so there's the first thing always try to set up with your wind going in that direction um you, and, and that's not any, anything different than hunting out of a tree stand. You're always trying to set up with the wind in your favor. And so still continuing to do that with the wind in your favor. Every once in a while, you get the wind, it'll shift, and a deer will come from a direction that you least expect it to. It might come from that direction. And here's the way that I have done that. Um, and I've shot a couple deer in that scenario. Um, there's two different ways you can do it. The, the first one is to do the pivot where you turn basically all the way around from your, from your left side and turn all the way back around to that, you know, four o'clock. And it's just a pivot that you can do. And Tethered has a really good video showing how, how they do that. For me, the way that I have found to be best is I will set up my platform. The top stick will be, uh, equal with my the, the top step of my top stick will be uh level with my platform are you tracking me i'm tracking you where i'm going there yep all right so you set it up almost uh what would it be like 45 degrees i guess uh from your platform to where you have your platform in, in faced directly in front of you where your face directly in front of you. And then that top stick is on the left side of the platform. Um, basically 45 degrees. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. And so what I'll do, if a deer comes from my weak side, I will step over to my top step of the stick and use that as an extension of my platform where I can shoot all the way around that tree. So you, you take a quick step to the left, get on that top step, and you can lean out and shoot what was your original four or five, four or five o'clock on the other side of that tree. It basically just makes it to where it's in front of you gotcha. with minimal movement. You don't have to do that big giant pivot turn. Um, if you're using a camera, 
you can still have your camera perfectly placed to where you can get that shot on film. And that's how I do it. Uh, and I don't see a lot of people doing it that way. Usually people are trying to get more height out of their setup. And so they'll set their platform up, you know, a, a big step away from that top step of their stick. And, um, but for me, I, I just, I would rather have that extension of my platform for the just in case moments like that. And, uh, and it's worked out well for me. Okay. All right. All right. So it's very hard to, to verbally say it, to verbally explain what I'm talking about. Um, it, it would be great if, if people could see what I'm doing because I'm actually making hand motions Yeah. Um, yeah. while I'm talking about it. Um, but just setting that, setting your stick equal with your platform. Yeah. Level with your platform that, and, and that, that helps a lot. Yeah. Okay. So that's a specific scenario, you know, that I'm going to have to learn how to, you know, if a deer, I need to practice that obviously. And we've talked a little bit about the cons of information and things like that. Um, when it comes to the pros now, let's talk about, uh, I guess all the benefits and, and you don't need to go into a ton of real in-depth detail, but just hit, hit the bullet points and then I'll pick out maybe a couple bullet points that we can go, we can go into. Well, number one for me always is safety. Um, when you look at saddle hunting with no experience, you think there's no way that's safe, but when you actually do it, you realize it is so much safer that when done correctly, when done correctly, that's a big deal. It's so much safer. Um, number one, make sure that you're buying products that are third party tested. Um, because there's a lot, like I said, in these groups, there's a lot of people selling crap that, that is not. And uh, my fear is that people are going to get seriously hurt using these methods and using these different things that people are buying just because maybe the price point is, is cheaper. Um, <clears throat> but safety is number one. You, you think about it, you're always attached to the tree from the time you leave the ground till you get back on the ground when the hunt's over, you're always attached to the tree with equipment that is thoroughly tested. Um, you're talking about am steel and ropes and all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, that's just really good strong quality stuff okay um again i cannot stress this enough make sure you're using stuff that is proven third-party tested if they're not doing that don't give them your money because it could be it, you could end up paying the ultimate price for that um that's that's the number one thing for me i always had the idea like you talk to any old timer out there uh, I think Dan Dan Infault just put out a, a thing on his Facebook. It was a poll asking how many people had fallen from a tree stand. And there, there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's a lot of people. You ask anybody and they have had equipment malfunctions where they fell and yeah. got hurt. Or maybe they didn't get hurt. They got lucky. But I just knew as much as I hunted, at some point, I was going to have an equipment malfunction. I was going to – something was going to happen. And when you're putting your life in the hands of aluminum, like, uh, or, or any type of climber or straps or anything like that, a lot of, you're going to have, you are going to have equipment fail on you. And I've had some close calls. I've never actually fallen, 
but I've had some close calls when hunting from a tree stand. So that was number one was safety. Number two, I don't have to get into it too much, but it's the, the weight savings. You can literally, if you're not filming, let's just say the average guy not filming, not carrying a bunch of filming equipment, you can get into a saddle and, and find a climbing method that's safe and be like less than like sub 10 pounds with everything that you need to take into the woods. Um, like there's really good methods out there that you can do that are going to be just so lightweight. Um, things that you can't do with a tree stand. Uh, let's see. The other, other pro is going to be um, shot opportunity. Like we've already talked about, I won't get too, too far into that, but you have lots of shot opportunity that you can take. Um, let's see. That's the, that's really the, the big ones for yeah. me. That's, and that's the uh, thing that I, I guess I'm looking for. One of the things that I'm looking the most forward to from a, from a, I guess a pro category is going to be that weight reduction. Um, you know, here in Iowa and the way I hunt, even on public, I mean, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could go back 40 miles or, you know, like a whole mile. But realistically, there's not a lot of places that I need to go. So that's in the past. It's like, man, carrying a, a hang on and carrying four sticks didn't, it really wasn't like, I didn't think about it like that because it it's not so heavy. It's not like I'm, I'm going in uh, two miles on a piece of public or, or anything like that. I was, you know, I can park my truck and I can walk, I mean, hell, I can walk 500 yards or I can walk maybe a half a mile at the most if I wanted to, if I, if I need to loop around an area because of a specific wind direction, right? Outside of that, so I never, well, y'all's, y'all's, y'all's year, y'all's year old bucks are all, are all like booners, <laughs> right? So like you can literally just hang up by the parking lot. Right. And, uh, that, that, from my understanding, that's how Iowa works. Right. You just grunt from the truck and shoot them right out of your, yeah. right by your truck. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, you don't have to go that far. <laughs> right. So, so I've never had to do that before, but as I start going into these other scenarios, for example, um, uh, Nebraska this year when I was in Nebraska and I was, I was on the ground, I saw a couple locations that would be awesome to get a, a tree stand or a saddle in. And so this year, when I go back to Nebraska, uh, I'll be hunting mule deer in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, it's just the, the way this piece of property kind of sits, then I would hunt whitetails. And there's a couple you know, big tall trees and some of these draws that would be perfect for a saddle or, or something like that. And I think that, uh, if I could, and it's a, it's a much longer walk to get to them. It's like a mile, maybe even a little over a mile to get back in there. And, uh, and so I can definitely see that, that compactability, that's that weight savings to get into, uh, into an area like that. So out of everything, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I think, I get, I'm starting to understand why people like I had a, a short conversation with Andy May a while back about, he's just like, dude, you got it. You just got to give it a try because it's going to change everything. And then at the same time, talking with, with, uh, Greg 
from tethered and just kind of hearing hearing him just be like dude it's just another tool i think a lot of people think you have to be all saddle or, or all tree stand and really you don't you just have to be you just because you know obviously i have some rut locations where i already have tree stands hanging in a tree which just climb up sit in your tree stand and, and that's going to be a, a good option for you but from a mobility standpoint i think the saddle's gonna gonna benefit me and i'm really excited to put this whole process through the ringer and actually see what the outcome is going to be. And, uh, from what I hear, you know, like if my experience is anything close to what, uh, your experience is like, or what Andy's is like, then I'll be able to continue. you like, I'll just get better at it. And, uh, you know, might be using a saddle more and more. Well, you, you hit on something there, Dan, that I, totally forgot about and that's the tree selection that you get Mm -hmm. with a saddle um you're able to you're able to get which you can do this in in hang on stands as well so um it's not just for saddle hunting but uh you can literally get into any tree um you know safely you can get into any tree if done correctly and uh i have found you can get into the cover of the tree and uh things that you just you can't do that with a climber like where i'm at uh in alabama you got big tall pines um in a lot of places that's where that's where most people hang their climber at is in those big tall pines when the the white oak that's really branchy and has all the cover is probably in the better spot and and so tree selection is a big deal and what i have found dan when when you talk about greg uh saying the saddle is just a tool it is just a tool at first, but I have found for me that the benefits uh, outweigh the maybe convenience of having a tree stand or like at my, my dad's property is a good example. He has a bunch of blinds and uh, tripod stands set up on his property. And many times I will end up just going straight to a tree and climbing it and using my saddle instead of sitting in the blind or the tripod because uh, I, I, my shots are better. I have yeah. better shot opportunity. Um, I can maneuver around better. I can film easier just because I'm used to that. So once you get into it and start learning, um, yeah, you find that while yes, at, at the beginning, maybe it is just another tool for your tool belt. Uh, it, for me, it's become the main one. It's become the only one that I really feel super comfortable in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I will be working with tethered this year. Right. And there's that, but I'm the kind of person like I'm to the age where I, I don't give a shit about brand. I give a shit about product. I give a shit about, uh, is it going to help me? Is it going to benefit me while I'm out in the field? So if saddles truly do benefit me, I'm going to continue to use a tra- uh, a saddle. If they make my hunting style more efficient and I'm able to get into different spots and get closer and kill specific deer or more deer, then that's a win for me. And that's, that's how I choose my products. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to give saddle hunting a try and I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to see if it, uh, if it meets that criteria. And if it does, then I'll be using it more, man. Dan, can I give you one piece of advice? Yes, sir when when you're when you're starting saddle hunting i would for the first part of your early season 
I would go out and shoot as many does as you possibly can yeah. and learn the, learn the, the, the shot, the taking feel. an actual shot on a real life. Yeah. Yeah. Taking the shot on a real live deer before you get into the moment of truth with a, with a giant buck during the rut. Um, I would take as many shots on real life does as legally possible. And, um, for me, that's, that's always how I do that every year, every year I will, for the first part of the season, I will shoot just about any doe that gives me the opportunity up to a point and I will, and it helps. It really does help. It gets you back into the swing of it. You know, like for me, like I've said before, I'm filming, it gives me opportunity to, to, you know, practice on a real live target before I get into the moment where I have to make it count. Um, and I think that that's, that's important. You know, everybody's not the same way. Some States have different regulations and stuff where you can't do that. But I would say if, if at all possible, shoot as many does as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. You get better at, uh, doing something by doing that thing. And, uh, so yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. So, well, Parker, man, um, I really appreciate you taking time to hop on and, uh, chit chat with us about that uh, transition and, and, uh, saddle hunting and things like that. I'm outside of the podcast. I'm probably going to use you or Garrett, uh, as the, uh, the phone calls like, Hey, I'm having a problem doing this or like, you're going to be my customer service for tethered basically. So, because you guys have the experience or or just saddle (laughs) hunting in general. So you might get a a, a couple uh, late evening calls while I'm out practicing. That's fine. Let me know, man. I'll be happy to help. However, and anybody listening to this, like I try to make myself available, especially via social media and stuff. Like if you got questions on anything you want an honest answer for, Hit me up. I'd be happy to help.